Howdy folks, you have stumbled in once again to Full Contact Cannabis. I'm sitting here with Mark Stepp of Uppercut Media and my wonderful co-host. Yours truly is Harold Jarbo, aka The Old Hemp Farmer. And Full Contact Cannabis is sponsored by Tennessee Homegrown. All right, morning, Mark. Good morning, Old Hemp Farmer. <laughs> old Hemp Farmer. Yes, the old part gets more truer every day gone day. <laughs> Double old. This is very interesting because for the first time we are um, doing this podcast together in the same room, as we say in the business, on location. On location in the studios of Uppercut Media in Nashville. Mark is a L.A. guy who's been getting more and more work here and the cannabis scene's taken off more here. So he has opened up a studio in Nashville. We're that... actually just started our fourth year here in Nashville. Right. So it's going well. We haven't done one of these, just me and you, since the end of the year. And I kind of like these because it's like this little checkup on the cannabis industry. Golly gosh. <laughs> what a year. <laughs> the first six months of 2022 has been interesting. A lot of things that people thought were going to happen didn't happen. People who thought things that would never happen did happen. But basically, uh, God, and it's this is so cliche. Cannabis at a crossroads. Oh, I thought you were referring to the baseball potential strike that we avoided. No, no. I was talking about the fact that right now, as cannabis as an industry matures, it faces more hurdles. And it's now in one of the weirdest points of, of the industry in the fact that we're in the middle of a recession. We're in the middle of inflation. And cannabis is one of the few industries that can't raise their prices. Interesting thought. Never thought about that. It is. Seems like the prices are even going lower. That's what I'm saying is. So here we are at the point, right, where our diesel fuel, our fertilizer, our power, packaging, everything has gone up because there's so many doggone people who are wanting to still get into the green rush after the green rush has been gone for a while that we still have too many people growing, people liquidating product. So as, like I said, everything else has been able to use this little period to kind of increase the prices, cannabis is now having to do more and more sales and they're having to cut prices just to survive. Do you feel this is a, a national dilemma or oh, yes. regional? It's in Michigan, Washington, Oregon, California, because any of the states that have had med or rec or a CBD industry for a while now is just totally saturated. Do you think it's worse for a THC market versus a CBD market? It's about the same. That's why everybody wants to try to differentiate. Like, I'm doing like CBD now or D8. If I could get in med and rec, I'd make money. Well, no, you got the same thing. They're uh, are, they're perfect example. In the state of Connecticut, they are now going online as far as rec. Connecticut has drawn 37,000 applicants for 56 adult use marijuana licenses. And if I recall my geography lessons, kind of a small state. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> so and so there here's that's the thing. You still have a plethora of a people who want to get into the industry. The industry is saturated. 
like a lot of trade organizations, they can get together and they can wink, wink, nudge, nudge, a gentleman's agreement or whatever you want to call it to lower production. Cannabis hasn't done that. They're still trying to grow their way out of. Why, why do you feel that even with the present state and, you know, we're talking about it on this podcast, but within the industry, it's well known. There's overproduction. It's saturated. Why do you feel in a state of Connecticut, there's 37,000 people interested in getting into it? I'll use the, you're in show business. So occasionally <laughs> you, that's how you let's put this. That's what keeps the lights on. Yes, that is true. <laughs> and the, and the used car running. Uh, why is there people who wake up one morning and decide they can go direct and produce a movie who've never direct and produced a movie in their life? They're enamored with it. Yep, it is. Yeah. And it's almost the exact, and coming from show business to cannabis was one of the cool things because it was just like, and Talking to people who think who have never grown anything, who can think that they can grow out, go out and grow a million dollars worth of cannabis with no agricultural background. It's the same thing as people who've never walked on a, a movie set in their life think, you know, I could direct a movie. Yeah, it took me years to figure out how to grow one tomato plant. Yeah. And how long did it take you to where you felt comfortable in show business? Oh, I'm still not. I'm 22 years in. Yeah. Yet there are people waking up this morning who are deciding they're either going to start a TV series or a movie or something like that who have no money and no ability. And it's the same thing with cannabis. Blissful. And also I think, you know, there's a sort of thing of like whether it's like craft beer or the end of these things. It's just like, dude, it would be so cool. We get paid to grow weed. Well, and I'll, I'll jump in and say guilty because I've been dabbling in brewing my own uh, beers, as you well know. I think I'm four batches in and ups and downs. I have no skill at that, and sure, I have a dream. Yet, X amount of the people who do that in their basement go, hey, gang, let's start a brewery. Yeah. And it's the same thing. You're sitting around, you're, you know, vaping or dabbing or whatever. It's like, dude. It would be so righteous to have our own, like, <laughs> cannabis company, you know? Pretty good and, Spicoli. You know, it, but it's the truth, which is the weird thing about it. Up until six months ago, there was huge amounts of money chasing investments. Correct. There was just too much money. And that's, what, that's like, you know, what do rich people do? Okay, I already got a, a Maserati. I got, a you know, a girlfriend 20 years younger than me. Oh, it's a toss-up. A vineyard or I'm going to go into cannabis. And right now, you know, cannabis is the thing. And people totally underestimate how expensive this is and how competitive it is. Okay, just, just as a tangent, what does this environment do for the gray market? Right now, the biggest beneficiary of this is the gray market, black market, because the simple fact that most all states have greeted out and tacked on so much taxes and made the process rather difficult that the prices are just really, really high. And the process and the compliance, in my experience, has downgraded the quality that you get in a traditional dispensary in California right now. It, what it has is diluted the quality. Yes. Okay. The before, you know, when you didn't have that many people doing it, is the fact that every time 
a new state opens up med or rec, it sucks any of the people that have ability out. And so now we have a huge amount of cannabis businesses that are basically being run by people who have never been in the industry before they started their company. Due to money and investments from above. Well, yeah, but what I'm saying is they started it and they couldn't find anybody. Got it. And I mean, I mean, where you go on Craigslist, or I guess there, there probably is a cannabis Craigslist and there are cannabis sites. But once again, we're in an, how long did it say it take, you've been in the industry 22 years? Oh yeah. And you're still learning? Every day. All right. Legal cannabis industry is less than 10 years old. So even if you got somebody who started day one, right, it's still only got, like me, I, Tennessee Homegrown. This is going our seventh crop or seventh, you know, going on seven years now, right? Uh, and we're one of the oldest companies in Tennessee. That's just not that long to learn a business, develop a business, and be able to adapt to all the things you do. So basically, if you start a new cannabis company now, unless you really want to pay big bucks to go and hire someone away from a successful company, you're going to be making it up as you go. To sum it up, the uh, build it, uh, they will come, may not be working. Well, even if you can build it, and that's the thing about it is you, you'll start out to this. Literally, there are people in this country who have crates of equipment that are sitting there because they cannot find the people to work it. Went out, bought the equipment, and can't find the people qualified. Now, I take that back. The qualified people who won't mess up your equipment can actually produce a decent product. And do you think this is related to post-pandemic global labor shortages, or there's just not this pool of talent that, that is available? Well, I mean, no matter what, take uh, pandemic out of it, you'd still have a problem finding craftsmen that can run equipment and create a great product. All right, when did the film industry start? 1909, something like that. Ten years into the film industry, there were three people doing it. There, there just wasn't that group. Now you go twenty years in, right? Not, not only do you have that, but you also have now the equipment being adapted. Not, well, not to go into film business too much, but to seeing the evolution of a of a C stand. Right. Well, and, and also the there was a profit model that could be attached to it, and people saw the potential. So investments came in and did it. It was so, so hard, so, so new that very few people were going to risk it at that point. But 20 years in, for lack of a better term, the gold rush started. And it's still going. I well, mean, Maverick just passed a billion dollars in ticket sales. That's never been done that quickly. So, so we should go out and do a movie. <laughs> a billion dude billion dollars man start him you know. i actually saw it the other night it was incredible this is a really well done film so so we, like i said here we have a huge amount of people who really want to get into the industry there was a lot of money and but this is what we started this out about about this six months in and this is why 2022 for cannabis is so tough right yep is because a couple things right is a bunch of these people started this process because by the time you, you spit out product, it's a good 18 months into the process, at least. 
So the people that are that are come online in 2022, their economic the, the where they were come from, there was money. There was good times. People were just spending everything. So here we flash forward to July 1st and the amount of discretionary incomes down, the amount of businesses are up. Also the fact that COVID, I guess we can talk about COVID now, we're kind of post-COVID, that the initial year of COVID was the best cannabis consumption year ever per capita in the United States. And what do you think drove that? People were at their house not having anything to do. And I can guarantee you one thing, friend. It is more fun being stoned and bored than just bored. (laughs) (laughs) And, And that's what it was. And so you had these people. They were all stressed out. The cannabis consumption went up. Well, what a lot of companies did was instead of saying, oh, maybe this is an aberration and this is a one-off because of this unique situation, companies I knew went out and doubled, tripled sometimes the amount that they grew. Now, let's flip a year later when everybody's now crawling out of their houses and they can go out and canoe or bike or go, they're not consuming the amount of cannabis. So here's this, so here's this three things that's happened here that's on the state of the nation on July first, twenty twenty two, overproduction, increased pr- uh, pressure on profit margins because of cost and the fact that they're having now to discount, and then the third was, and it still was, this was supposed to be the year that we were going to get banking, and yeah. and we have not gotten anything. So now. We're constricted on doing interstate, any sort of interstate commerce. We have too many people in the industry, and the margins are going all to hell. And in the midst of this, we're trying to survive. Tennessee Homegrown, I don't, do not know of any company that if you get one of their executives to the side and get a lubricant, some, either alcohol or cannabis in them, are saying, dude, we don't know how this is going to turn out, and we're battening down the hatches. This year, there will probably, in the high CBD world, will be, once again, a decrease in acreage. But since we were growing eight to ten times more CBD biomass, we're still, this year, going to grow more CBD biomass than the market can absorb. And it's the same thing within REC. There are still people who think they, they can grow their way out of this. Yeah, that's definitely been something that I've noticed. And despite new companies are obviously having to grow, but the companies that are already in seem to have a theory that grow, 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 and think that that will reach the market demand or increase demand, which it, it won't. So where do you see July 1st, 2023, based on pandemic till now a boatload of people going away i also don't see any relief as far as prices because unless there's some sort of effort and what i'm talking about is basically collusion for people to sit down and say look this is crazy and the other thing that still kind of needs to happen, which I just don't see happening because of the nature of the personalities of people who own cannabis companies. 
they're all mavericks. It's funny you you were talking about that. They are. They all think they're Top Gun. They all want to have their little thing here. And the fact that they would actually have to start and join forces with other companies and and consolidate because that's what the 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 industry needs both high THC, high CBD. It needs consolidation. Bad. And who who do you see? What type of company do you see surviving? And what type of company do you see fading into the night? What I can speak on the first person is Tennessee Homegrown. We are racing to become a micro-cannabis company. We want to be as small and as nimble as we can be. Whenever possible, outsource production, keep a really, really low inventory, and try just to pay attention to where this is going. But the big thing right now is nimble. Yeah, and I, I run my company the same philosophy. I always have. To knock on wood, it's worked for me. Um, don't have a desire to be the Home Depot of post-production in any way, shape, or form. Say consolidation happens. What is, what is that process? How does that look to you? Well, let's go back to the, the finishing up the question you asked. Because part of it was I, I kind of told you who I see surviving. Right. I did not tell you who I see going away. There you go. Yes, please All do. Right. What I see with that is anybody who's made large-scale investments in equipment and infrastructure is going to be hurting. Also, those people who are top-heavy. One of the bad things about cannabis companies, and I've noticed this, whether it's CBD or THC, they love hiring people. <laughs> hiring people that are executives, and then they pay them a lot of money and then they go try to find something for them to justify how much you paid them. Right. And then they realize their skill or lack of. Also, we were talking earlier about the earliness into the industry. We have no idea what technologies are going to evolve and how much more efficiently. One of the things that we have can see that already in 10 years, CO2 is a perfect example the first CO2 machines were clunky, they weren't very responsive, expensive. they were expensive as yeah. hell, and they wore out. Required a lot of maintenance. Right. So the industry, which started out really wanting to do CO2, has now drifted into more economical. Like I'm, you're starting to see on the concentrates in THC, which you used to never see, are distillates, where they come in and they rip it out with ethanol and a you know, run through a short path, and then they add terps. And, Not a great product, but it's a cheap product yeah, that you can it, make. It, correct me if I'm wrong, when, and I still consider myself a novice in this business, but when it really started going, 14, 15, 16, I felt that all the equipment that was being brought in was adaptive, like it was really built for something else, but the hemp and THC industry was going, oh, well, we can use that to do this. And do you see that being long-term detrimental? Do you see uh, industries, technologies coming out with new things that are purpose-built for only hemp and THC to hone in on the intricacies of that media? Well, that was the one of the big things was the first equipment companies, especially like for processing, were engineers that were in other industries who said, hey, we can do this. And so they did exactly what you said. They, they adapted stuff to be able to make it work. Once 
the industry started becoming a billion dollar industry, multi-billion dollars. Then you had engineers and R&D that they could research and come in and specialize. That's what I'm saying is, is CO2 is a perfect example. CO2 is much more efficient, much more cost effective than it ever has been. It's still expensive, but it still can do, right now it can do some, gives you some really great products. The butane now has has really one, and, and then they switch to other things. You can do propane, any of these things that you can liquefy, you can use as a solvent. And then the ethanol systems have gotten so much better. All this has come in, So, but that's what I was saying is, if you committed four or five years ago to a couple million dollars worth of equipment, that equipment isn't as cost effective, it's not as efficient, but you're stuck with it. So now your profit model is stuck in t- with equipment that's not as efficient and not as user-friendly. Yeah, technology investment, always a slippery slope. You really got to do your homework and hope and pray that you're investing in gear that will you know, last its life and that new gear doesn't come over and just push it aside. And that's trappings of any industry. Not to go down the rabbit hole of... Uh, the, we haven't had the most positive conversation, but how? Speaking of equipment and investment and growth size, how do you feel our present day environment concerns affect our industry, as well as how our industry affects those? Let's just start with environmental concerns. I mean, water is. Oh my God, is the that future is a, war. You would talk about rabbit hole. Yeah. Oh my God, the deep dark under underbelly of cannabis is this is probably one of the most inefficient businesses on the face of the friggin planet. And this is what I'm saying about all these things are coming to to, do, to bear about cost. If you didn't have to worry about kilowatt hours and you didn't have to worry about how much your diesel cost and your doggone tractor and all that thing, it didn't matter. So you're just like, woo. But now that that's that's like, you know, we, we did. We had a guest on, uh, which was kind of funny about the whole lights. And we were talking about how car, you know, you know, the whole holy grail is being carbon neutral. Right. And how growing, I'm sorry, if you grow indoor under lights, you cannot grow any more inefficiently than that. You're definitely not carbon neutral. No. <laughs> You're using so much energy that it's not even funny. But now this is where this is going to become paramount. Because once you start getting squeezed on the margins in your business, then you start looking around and you go, how, how much are we? Whoa, 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 whoa. Why are we running an air conditioner and heated lights all at the same time in the same area? A perfect example is, why do companies grow indoor all year long? If you're in a northern climb, then you could grow eight months out of the year, not have to worry about air conditioning your plants or making sure, and, and grow enough during that. But those are things now that are people are starting to realize. It's, it's like, okay, quite frankly, I still get huge amount of people and, and it's from China because China makes most of the lights. Sure. They do in oh, yeah. indoor fixtures. Is we have new efficient and they say, all right, and then we go, yes, but I'm paying zero per kilowatt hour to grow outside. I am, am actually, you know, since we are uh, Tennessee homegrown is uh, 
organic and we do the composting and all 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 that green stuff we're taking carbon out of the air we're actually making it a little bit better absolutely do you think that um, from a water efficiency standpoint barring rain it do you require more water to grow inside or more water to grow outside once again it out everything is more efficient outside for the simple fact the, the one of the things is is that if you grow inside, you should have an EPA permit because you do have. I'm sorry, if you're running a hydro and you run those tanks for a couple weeks, at when the stuff that you get out of there is is is, I'm sorry, you just can't go dump it anywhere. Right. So like so what I'm saying is, and that's what the whole point is is uh you were talking about we switched on to that July first. 2023 yeah a businesses are going to have to go all the all the way through from the beginning to the end and see where the inefficiencies are and where am i you know spending energy because energy is not going to go down ever packaging you want to go also yeah you want to talk cannabis packaging oh my god we waste so much stuff in packaging. It's not even funny. That also, though, contributes to the bottom line. I, I, I really do think that in 2022, it's going, cannabis businesses are going to be forced to start looking at themselves as a business. God, I love the film business because I can honestly say this. There's not too many things that could have prepared me for the cannabis business, not cannabis agriculture, but the cannabis business, then filmmaking. Because of the simple fact that in filmmaking, once again, you think, okay, well, if it's a hit movie, the fact that we had overages on this and overages on that, it all will be forgiven. Yeah, if it sells, nothing bad happens uh, yeah, along the you way. Know, yeah. It's like, you know, if it's you got the ratings, all's forgiven on Monday. Yep. It is, you mm -hmm. know. And so it's the same thing with the cannabis business. When the margins were there and the kumbaya, the fact that we're doing, we're pioneers and that we're out there doing this and all that wears away, then it is just a business. Sure. Yeah. And it's one of the things that I think that when, and go back to film was, is that when you got into the inner bowels of filmmaking, right? Mm -hmm. They weren't artists. Yep. There was nobody there wanting to create great works of art. They were how much meat can I get in the seat? It didn't matter if it was a horror movie. didn't matter if it, whatever genre, if it sold tickets, that's the only thing that mattered. When it comes down to it, the cannabis business is the same thing. It's just like so many people want to get in there, and I want to grow the best cannabis in the world, and I want to can win a cannabis cup, and which is all great and ego, but nobody cares. Nobody cares. The only thing that matters once you get into the cannabis business is how much money you make. Well, one mm. of my favorite Jarbo quotable quotes about the show business is, there's nothing more depressing than two-year-old year awards. Yes. <laughs> and really now six months. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that's, that's that whole thing. It's like the expos and stuff. All this stuff which was sensationalistic part of of cannabis that's all starting to wane yeah well it's it's becoming quote just another industry another part of you know life 
as far as businesses go. You know, it's like, oh, here comes social media as a business. Now it's almost, it's definitely old hat. Here comes microbreweries. You know, there's a market that's saturated. And all these distilleries are thinking up of all these different ways that they're aging their bourbons to to make it cool, like putting it on a barge and let it oh, gently rock. God. and Ocean. Oh. Ocean, right around the Cape, you know, all, all that stuff. Oh, God. So a big end result here is the saturation is really driving the overall recession of the industry. And, and it's going and as long as that keeps going, which it sounds like it is. And until there's enough horror stories to where it becomes commonplace. But I don't even know. The allure of cannabis is time honored. It really, sure. really, really is. Yeah. And in and, and that respect, I can understand it a bit because first time I grew a cannabis plant, I was more infatuated with growing it than smoking it. And so for the, but. You were, you were infatuated with the process. The one thing I do think that'll do is, uh, is like what's happening with Bitcoin right now or crypto, right? Ever, you, you know, what is that term where you, when you, is it when you hear about people talking about making money at a cocktail party where the fear of being left out? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. here it is. All these people are making money off of crypto. I got to get on crypto. Mm-hmm. You, when you see... You FOMO. Know, FOMO. Fear. Yes, thank Fear you. Fear of missing out. Yes. FOMO is a bitch. <laughs> it is. And because it plays with that psychology. And so I think there was, to some degree, when you started seeing the 2014, 15, 16 marijuana millionaires. Here it comes. Here it comes. Yeah. You know, you get in. And then... and this, and that, that's true. That's a good point about crypto because you saw crypto millionaires pop up yep. and it got to be a thing. And, and now look at crypto. Yeah. You do, do you want to be the one who, who had a chance to make literally millions of, tens of dollars? Tens of dollars. Yes. <laughs> and, and then the, the other thing, which uh, is once again self-policing, there are way too many individuals in the cannabis industry who have no qualms about making money off of newbies. And we have really moved to that point of the industry. Now that I can't make money off of actually producing or growing or selling cannabis, now I'll make money off exploiting the people who dream about getting into it. Yeah, and I, early on, when I was jumping into it, I kind of noticed a, a cash grab mentality. You know, how much profit can we make as quickly as we can and either sell it you know as a company or get out that goes on in a lot of industries these these days but there's also a certain insecurity about it that you're not in it for the long run and and what does that do for the industry in the long run one thing it sucks uh available investment dollars out and then the other thing it does is that it just perpetuates that cd side of cannabis I mean, it really is. You know, the Hunter S. Thompson quote about the music business, mm-hmm. a long, shallow money trench mm-hmm. leading into a, what, neon-lit hallway inhabited by pimps, hookers. Yeah. And good people go there to die. Uh, yeah. And that's the good side. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and and that's the, the, the other thing about this and the analogy of also being able to exploit people is because, and you mentioned this earlier, since the industry is so young, it's hard to be able to check the 
credentials and like if somebody seems like they know real well what they're talking about it's hard to be able to come in and substantiate how much gravitas they have there is not an imdb on cannabis you know like i can come in and i can check your credits right right and i sure. go oh, this guy's been doing this forever he's right. worked with people i recognized <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah yeah that's a good point but in cannabis, you really don't that. You know, they have these. I, I love them on on the social networks, like the blacklist. Ah. I like if somebody missed you over big time, you can go in there and complain, which quickly evolves into a personality things. Well, no, I didn't do that. No, you're the butthead. You know, and it's yeah. just like on. So it really is hard to to see if I'm in going and hiring somebody or I'm investing in endeavor. And we haven't even talked about publicly traded cannabis companies. Yeah. The yeah. Pu you want to talk about the biggest dump and waste of money? And I've had these arguments. I mean, it's like, remember Patty Zanine, right? Mm -hmm. Her big thing was these guys, these businessmen and all, whatever, and it, we got to get the, the the legacy people out of here, the people who are growing in basements. We got to get them out of and get these real businessmen. Well, the real businessmen have lost more money in cannabis than anybody. I mean, yeah. the poster child is Tilray. Yep. Or Canopy. Canopy, I was going to say. God. Even Aurora. Like the good news at a, a publicly traded cannabis company is, hey, folks, we didn't lose as much money this quarter as we lost last quarter. Yeah. I think we're headed in the right direction. Yeah, which makes me think that, um, you know, for now, you're you're on an incredibly great path of, of making your company small, making your company unique, making your company boutique, and therefore carving your niche in that market of there's like a huge divide of here's big industry here's big growth here's big cultivations and mass marketing of diluted products on one end and then here's tennessee homegrown we're a craftsman we're keeping it small we're making it the best thing we can keeping up the quality selling less but maintaining client loyalty Surviving is the Surviving. big thing. Yeah. It, 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 really, right now, for any cannabis company, it doesn't matter whether you're a, a billion-dollar cannabis company or, you know, when it's like our company, only worth, I don't know how much worth. It's worth something. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if it's worth, it, you know. It's worth what somebody will pay for. Yeah, but, you know, it's, it's worth probably a surprising amount. Uh, but the whole point, though, is in this, with all the things that we pointed out, Increased price production, margins going up, uh, no interstate banking, uh, the fact that all our materials have cost us more. Also, we didn't even go into the. There's sometimes you just can't get stuff. There's cool. a, yeah. yeah, it's like that's a lovely, oh, well, that's a oh, lovely problem. Yeah, it's just like what do you mean? We ordered a couple thousand. Well, they're in a boat somewhere. Yeah, I ordered uh, coffee stirring sticks three weeks ago, and they were supposed to be here in two days, and I still don't have them. Yeah. And sticks. 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 Yes. yes. <laughs> so in this environment, it really is, it's survival to be able to keep healthy enough that when there is sort of an idea where this is going, that you can have enough finances and enough nimbleness to be able to adapt to that market. But... I don't know of any, I, there might be, 
There are, and I wish we could get them. We need to get that person <laughs> on this who actually knows where this is going, but nobody does. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, for lack of a better word, it's volatile. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and, and therefore, it changes every day. Everything's a moving target. At the end of the day, for me, in my world, when that happens, it's, talented people and skill levels that creates the survival technique you know adapt let, you know i should not give the uh impression there are people in cannabis who you don't hear about that have got their act together that are good business people and they're making a decent living yes there are not too many people that are going out and making huge amounts of money right now but those in, people like i said who who Got in, studied the industry, did not let the get ego get in the way. They're doing okay. Yeah, they probably checked their greed factor on the way in. Well, if you've been in the industry any sort of time, you, it's, you know, it is. It's like those stupid memes, what people think the cannabis business is and what the cannabis business actually is. Yeah are totally two different things. Yeah, like in my industry, what the screenwriter wrote and what the film ended up as are Well, but degrees. I mean, it's just like you. All right, people will see your work and and they get to see either on their TV or in a movie theater and, it, and it's so damn cool. It doesn't have anything to do with all those nights that you were there working and then trying to make something work that often you were in what's a good way salvage mode yes salvage mode yeah for a good friend of mine called them opportunities to try to keep it positive yes <laughs> and but that but all they see is the finished product and that's the thing about it is you, know, you go into your rec or med store and here's this really cool box and you take it and you get high and it just seems so cool but you, it doesn't represent any of the hard work, heartbreaks, or anything that are involved with that. Right. And You don't see it. And one of the other things that I'm hoping, but if you want to say by July 2023, is that the cannabis business will start treating its employees better. You know, we're talking about, you know, the other deep, dark secret about how we waste energy and all that. We also, the cannabis business treats people like crap. It always has. And it's a problem, and it needs to be addressed. It really, really does. seems to me that if a company was to be kept small, that would be easier to achieve than a massive company that's running like Amazon or something. For most cannabis companies, their human resources, their department, and how they look at it is a joke. Yeah. It really, really is. Yeah. You would think, try to think that an industry like cannabis isn't misogynist, but by Golly, it is. It's 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 amazing how. Uh, but that's the one of the things that is changing. It is, and I still say, it is one of the cooler aspects of cannabis is the fact that there isn't a good old boys network. There isn't a ceiling, so there is no glass ceiling. So women have more of an opportunity to get into this business and do things for the simple fact that they can have their own little micro businesses yeah they can yeah it's uh, still extremely hard for lt yeah. yeah 
it's extremely, still extremely hard for women to go in and sit down and get cannabis investment, any large scale. It really is. Yeah. But that's probably going to, this year is probably going to be this, almost the same for everybody. But if you do a craft or something like that, you know, it's just like, you know, during uh, this little last bout, you know, the COVID thing, right? When a huge amount of people left the lot, uh, workforce, a huge amount of those women started small businesses. Yeah. It was more conducive for childcare and taking care of others. But there's a bunch of people, women in cannabis, and hopefully it will be able to take root enough. And then once you have weight of numbers, then things start to clean up just a little bit. Yep. It's funny. Our company from the get-go has always had more women in it than men. Yeah. I wasn't by plan. It just ended it up that, that way. way. And, yeah. it, and it really has worked out. That's, that's one thing I can say is that uh, I get forced to think about things I would not have been forced to and make gives me a different perspective because I've, you know, I've come up with 90 style advertising that they thought, no, nope. <laughs> <laughs> not going to work here. No, 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 no. That was great then. Yeah, it was great then. Um, you do try to want to try to end with, you know, being uplifting or to end on a positive note. One thing Lee Crabtree, the co-owner, my partner, says, Jarbo, people will always love cannabis. That's a great way to wrap this up, my friend. There's going to be a market. There's going to be people who want to grow it, consume it, produce it. It's just that right now we're going through a boatload of growing pains. It's not even a teenager yet. <laughs> it really isn't. <laughs> no, it's, it's a toddler. <laughs> it's, a, it's still a toddler. So, yeah. Well, one thing I would do want to go into is, and, and Mark Stepp, my wonderful co-host, hates to do this. He's He is getting more and more into cannabis production and advertising. And uh, for any of the people who would like to reach out with him, just if nothing else, just to talk, media and post and things like that. Uh, he can be reached at Uppercut Media at, you know. Upper yeah, step at UppercutMedia.com or you can just go to the website, UppercutMedia.com and uh, there's an info page there and we'll be glad to talk to you. This is Harold Jarbo, a.k.a. The Old Hemp Farmer. Can't wait to talk to you guys again. So, have a great one. You're not going to do your final statement that you always do. Oh, my God, my little final. Oh, my God, folks. I got to do this. <laughs> Good thing know. we did this on location. It was like, oh, okay. <laughs> see, it, I'm, I'm discombobulated. Also, guys, keep one eye on the weather and one eye on the market. Well, the weather's hot. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, well, I had fun. This was great. Yeah, it is. And we'll have to do this at the end of the year again. Wrap up 2022. Full Contact Cannabis is a Tennessee homegrown and Uppercut Media production. You can find Tennessee Homegrown on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Visit our website, tnhomegrown.com, for more background and information covered in our podcast. Post-production services provided by Uppercut Media and can be reached at uppercutmedia.com. Howdy, folks. This is Harold Jarbo, a.k.a. The Old Hemp Farmer. And I just wanted to thank all you people that have been listening to us, downloading, and also heading on over to our sponsor, Tennessee Homegrown, and buying their wonderful products. We can't do it without you guys, and we know that. 
and we will always listen and we will always be there for you as far as our products and also information about our products. Tennessee Homegrown, once again, wants to thank all of you wonderful folks for listening to our podcast and buying our products.